0: everybody and welcome to another episode of book goodies podcast the author series um i'm deborah carney your host and with me i have um author james today how are you james
1: i'm fine thank you thank you for having me
0: hey thanks for taking time out of your night and for being flexible on recording time (laughs) no problem no problem it's been a hectic day um so, James, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about um, yourself and your current project?
1: Sure, I'd love to. Well, again, thanks uh, very much for having me and uh, giving me the chance to talk a little bit about myself and uh, hopefully give some, uh, some tips on writing to uh, your listeners as well. Um, my name is James Tinadero, I'm uh, an author based in Montreal, Canada. Um, I've just completed my first full-length novel, uh, which is entitled The Consistency of Parchment. Um, in addition to that, I've done uh, a lot of short stories, poetry, um, kind of dabbled in different genres. But, uh, but as I said, this is my first kind of full-length uh, fictional work, so I'm excited about uh, seeing where it goes, and, uh, and hopefully some, uh, some of your readers will, uh, will find it enjoyable and enjoy reading it as much as I enjoyed writing it. Uh, when I'm not writing, I'm uh, actually pursuing my PhD. So I'm a PhD student in management uh, at McGill University. Um, finishing up my dissertation, fingers crossed, uh, should be finished by next summer. So, um, yeah, when I'm not, I like to say when I'm not busy writing fiction, I'm busy writing nonfiction. But <laughs> at, at some point, uh, most of my day is, is somehow consumed with writing. So um, I guess I'm in the right profession somehow.
0: Uh yeah, that's all very interesting. Are you a work at home dad or
1: no? Uh, I'm not not yet, but uh okay. but no, I'm uh I kind of uh, I have an office at McGill, so I uh try to keep to a, a fairly normal workday schedule if you like and uh okay. yeah, just kind of in early in the morning, uh out kind of I guess early evening uh hopefully and uh yeah, just try to kind of try to structure my days uh, around my time in the office
0: okay that sounds uh sounds like what a lot of our writers do is they um they keep writers one of our authors um her tip for writers was to write the to live like a writer Mm. to live the writing life which meant that you needed to write every day whether you liked it or not
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's that's great advice it uh, can be a bit of a struggle sometimes but it's it's like any other kind of craft if you don't practice it i think you you start to lose it Your kind of writing muscles tend to atrophy a bit if you don't exercise them so yeah i think that's great advice
0: so why don't you tell us a little bit more about your novel
1: Sure, I'd love to. Um, so again, it's uh, titled The Consistency of Parchment.
0: Which I think is a fabulous title.
1: <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. It's. Uh, I was a little bit on the fence about uh, the title. I, I came up with the title fairly early in the process, and uh, I, I had the sense maybe that it uh, was a Bit too cute, a bit too precious, but uh, but I think given the the kind of themes that I cover in the novel, I, I think it's a, a bit apropos. Okay. So so yeah, I mean, it, it just speaking generally, the the genre or genres I guess that it would fall into are kind of literary fiction on the one hand, and more uh, action adventure, um, if you like, on the other. So I've I've really tried to craft something that I would see as fitting somehow in what I would consider the. Prototypical type of literary fiction work, a uh, very kind of strong narrative, deep character development, um, a certain kind of maybe for lack of a better word, elegance in the prose itself. Mm-hmm. But then I've I've tried to kind of balance that a bit with uh, you know a, a faster paced plot maybe than than you would see in, in some of the the more typical literary fiction type work. So so again, it's uh, I've kind of tried to uh, to write it the way that I like to read books, which is to have a very nice type of almost flowery style prose, but with enough kind of action and a fast-paced plot that really engages the reader to a certain extent. So um, I guess eventually uh, my readers will hopefully decide to what extent I've succeeded, but uh, but that was kind of my intent uh, as I wrote the book.
0: That sounds very interesting. I, um, I I admitted to my last guest that I interviewed that I don't have t- much time to read, but you guys are all so mm-hmm. engaging and your books all sound so interesting, I might have to try and put aside some time for myself and uh, do some reading in the fall and winter.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, it's it's always hard to find the time, but uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's hopefully a rewarding task when uh, when you actually do.
0: Yeah. Um, now tell us, you said you write, you write short stories and mm-hmm. some poetry. Are any of those published in a collection or anything? or
1: not at this point. Um, I'm actually working, my next project is um, what I'm hoping will eventually coalesce into a, a collection of short stories based around the theme of, you know, it's, a, it's a fairly broad theme at this point, but it's really looking at personal loss and the way that you know, the, the kind of daily routines that we engage in as people, whether it's alone or, or kind of in our family lives, how those kind of counteract uh, senses of personal loss as, a, as they're experienced um, in our lives. So the first short story that I've written in that vein is um, centered around a couple whose son has gone missing. And, you know, of course, uh, as a parent, you can imagine that's about the most terrible thing that could happen to you but then as the days and the weeks and the months kind of go on does some semblance of routine creep back into your daily lives and and how does that not compensate for the loss but how do you kind of weigh that against the loss and the expectation that you will at some point overcome or surmount that loss so so i'm really kind of interested in playing with that theme of you know the personal loss versus the the kind of um maybe the, the tendency to fall back into routine somehow and, and how those two really completely different aspects of, of life play against each other. So it's, uh, I, I'm hoping to kind of craft a few stories that examine that theme from a, a few different perspectives, a few different circumstances.
0: That's very interesting. Um, are you using uh, real people as examples or are you news stories or people you know?
1: Um, I think probably again, probably like a lot of the authors that you you might have spoken to and, you know, a lot of the the stories that we hear about the writing process, it's it's probably a bit of a um a kind of compendium of you know, news items that we would hear and, and that kind of resonate with us and just the creative process at work and, and kind of taking that as a jumping off point and but then Kind of fictionalizing it to a certain extent, so so I think it's it probably has some basis in real events, none in particular necessarily, but just maybe a a kind of an amalgam of several different events, but then a fictionalized kind of turn to them as well. Okay, yeah, that's
0: that's a really interesting topic. That would be um, something that I would probably be interested in reading. Um, So you'll have to keep me posted.
1: I definitely will. Yeah, and just to, to kind of because I know that you know I, I don't want to give the the impression that I'm I'm kind of taking this topic lightly because it, it is something that you know obviously for people who have experienced that type of loss it's it's not something that I'm just kind of taking for granted and gratuitously but I'm I'm really interested in in the way that fundamentally as as people we we kind of deal with a lot of these expressions of loss and and how we kind of find the way to go on in our lives so. I Yeah,
0: you have to handle it very carefully
1: exactly yeah because you don't want to trivialize it, but at the same time it's it's something that I think you know needs to be explored and and needs to be examined it's it's part of the human condition somehow
0: yeah um loss is something that everybody has to deal with at some point in their lives unless you know they're extremely young when they when they are the one that that um, is lost
1: exactly so exactly.
0: um I, have you know, it's really funny because you tell it, you you're saying that you're going to have your master, your uh, PhD,
1: mm-hmm. in
0: um, what was it? Business in management. In management, yes. and yet you're a very creative person. That's put out. You know, you've you've got poetry and short stories and fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who's very analytical, very business minded, very you know. um right. Uh, anal- analyzes everything, and he uh, posted that he put up his first Kindle book. And mm. I'm like, "Oh, okay, you finally, you know, you finished the book about analytics that you were going to work on, and da da da." It was a book of poetry.
1: Is I'm that like, right? I'm like,
0: "What? Wait, what? Yeah. Where did this come from?"
1: Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people out there that, um, and I think it's common among the entrepreneurial work at home folks, um, mm. probably more than it is. Uh, folks that that work outside of the home because you have more time to, um, where your head is where you want it to be, not necessarily you know sitting in a meeting where you're not caring about what somebody's talking about, and yeah. you know we tend to our brains work in a different way than than other folks, and mm-hmm. we all know writers' brains don't work the same as anybody else's.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But you know it's, it's interesting because I think that there's you know it's it's kind of the it's become a bit cliche to talk about, you know, the writers and, and you know, how writers' minds are, are kind of so different and so non-analytical in a way. And, you know, the, the kind of the stereotype of the writer uh, with the pages kind of strewn about the room and just <laughs> digging through piles, trying to kind of find something and having an idea and losing it and just completely harried and, and kind of trying to piece together things in that way. And, and I think that, that, you know, there's some truth to that, obviously, but I think that, You know, having what I would consider maybe to be a bit of an analytical mind, I think really helps me to structure my fictional writing in a way that. Helps me to advance the things in in you know a way that maybe I wouldn't be able to do otherwise. So I think that it's a bit of a fiction that you know the hardcore analytical side can't coexist somehow with the creative side. I think that you you need a, a little bit of both, and you know as people were kind of nuanced that way. I think it's uh, we do a disservice to writers when we kind of pigeonhole them a little bit because you know there's yeah. there's room for that. Analytical side in the creative, and there's room for the creative and the analytical side. So I, I think it's, yeah, it's a, it's kind of you know, that's what makes us whole and interesting people.
0: And I couldn't have said that better myself. And um, the other thing I'm finding is that. Uh, We're all pretty much um, control freaks
1: Mm -hmm. a little bit. (laughs) Definitely, definitely, yeah.
0: I've talked to a lot of type A personalities the last couple of weeks. And generally, those are the folks that are taking the publishing path that you're taking, which is Mm -hmm. to um, publish independently. What what, um, influenced your choice uh, instead of trying to go the route of traditional publishing? Or did you try and then switch over to indie.
1: I, I did. I mean, I think that uh, I did try the the traditional publishing route, you know, like most aspiring authors I probably harbored the, uh, you know, the idea that somehow my novel would uh, be discovered and I'd be you know, the toast of the town and you know the the next Jonathan Franzen or Cormac McCarthy or, or, you know, insert name of famous author here. So <laughs> so I, I did definitely start going out the, the traditional publishing route and, you know, I, I think that the nice thing about so many of the technologies that are advancing now and and the internet and, and these online tools that we have to use as authors is that this kind of really privileged space that used to be occupied by the gatekeepers, whether it's the agents or the publishers, is really somehow being democratized a little and you know there have been people who have said it to him uh, in a much better way than I could but I I think that in the past and this is certainly something I ran up to as well is you would kind of query uh, a literary agent or query a publisher you would send a a draft of a few papers in, in the mail and kind Of sit twiddling your thumbs, waiting for three or four weeks for them to kind of deign to respond to you, and more often than not, it would be a response on the order of, you know, this kind of looks interesting, but it's not exactly my cup of tea, good luck with it elsewhere. And that can kind of wear you down a little bit. I mean, especially if you have a sense that what you're writing is, you know, not necessarily perfect, but certainly has a home, and if you could get it in front of readers to in some, some way that it would find a receptive audience. So so, all of that to say that I did kind of start with the traditional publishing route, but I found that it was a bit constraining, uh, constraining. in a way so yeah. yeah, so I think that you know when I started to learn a little bit about um, specifically uh, the Kindle publishing program and, and some of the ways that, as an author, I could take control of the process of publishing and, and then kind of use that to step into the marketing aspect and try to sell the book to the readers myself. You know, you mentioned the control um, freak aspect, and that definitely appealed to the the kind of control freak in me somehow, that, you know, knowing that I would have control over how my book would be distributed, how I would be marketing it, who I would be targeting as readers, um, what I wanted to do in terms of marketing. I I really kind of like that idea of being able to craft something from a creative aspect and then you know, because I'm closest to it, obviously, and I have the most to gain from it finding an audience, then deciding how I'm going to publish it and how I'm going to market it. So, so, again, all of that to say that I started with the more traditional publishing field, but it left me a little bit cold. And, uh, you know, I think that I'm, I'm happy with the process of being an indie author to this point, and I'm still kind of learning all the ropes, but I, I think it's, it's a really interesting type of market and, and type of promotional approach to explore.
0: Well, and the other thing, too, is being um, – and I'm saying control fre- freaks in a very loving way. Of
1: course, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: You know, um, you if you had been picked up by a traditional publisher, certain things would have happened that would not be within your control, including the distribution and the marketing. But even before that, they would dictate, you know, how they wanted your book to sound, you right. know, and they may even I, – I know one person that they – they bought the book and gave her an advance and then they decided they wanted the entire book rewritten.
1: Right. And she
0: gave him back the advance and said, I wrote it once. I'm not writing it again.
1: Sure. I'm not
0: writing it just to a formula that you want me to stick to. This is how I want my story to be told. Mm -hmm. And, um, also, you know, cover creation, you know, you probably worked with a a designer or, you know, if you're creative, you came up with your own cover. Mm -hmm. Um, you know when you work with a publishing house again you know they're in charge and uh right. they get they get final say and i know people that were traditionally published that said oh don't even talk to me about the cover i know it's horrible uh-huh. wasn't my idea really? you know and um now one interesting thing i would like to ask you because um, i've gotten a lot of different answers to this question mm-hmm. um a traditional op- edit, uh publishing house would have had you get the book edited? Did you have an outside person edit your manuscript?
1: Um, I didn't have a, an outside editor, but what I did, and, you know, it, it, there are probably different schools of thought on this, obviously, but I'm a, a big proponent of this this kind of um, desk drawer approach to editing, which is, you know, as a writer, uh, what I like to do is finish writing my book with you know, a, a fair bit of editing as I go, but you know, trying to kind of maintain my voice and maintain my my kind of momentum as I go. And with the finished product, just kind of set it aside and, and let it just kind of sit for a little while and, and yeah. give myself the chance to, you know, kind of get, gain a bit of distance from it. Because as a writer, obviously, when I'm writing it, I think it's the most fabulous prose that's ever been written. And, you know, I, I'm completely in awe of my yeah. own capabilities. But, you know, when you kind of set it in that desk drawer and and leave it for a while and then come back to it three, four weeks later, even a a few months later, um, which I did with the consistency of parchment, you kind of come back to it with a very different view. And I found that as an editor, I could come to it, almost with less passion than, than I would have had just knowing that it was my own work to edit right at this point. So, so I didn't use an outside editor, but I was very fastidious in terms of how I would edit it. I was very harsh, uh, in terms of how I edited and, and scenes that I would cut or reframe or, or add here and there. So, um, I think that, Again, I was happy with the process by which I edited the book, and again, that it appealed a little bit to the the control freak in me somehow as well, just knowing that I had a sense for how I wanted to edit and kind of carrying that through, and I, I think that it made the book as a finished product much stronger than it was initially.
0: Well, and that's really smart to um, – that's really important to point out to uh, indie writers that – you know, I mean, you can finish a manuscript today and publish it within 24 hours.
1: Sure. Now, yeah.
0: should you do that? No.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you're you're absolutely right. I mean, this is kind of the flip side of this democratization of publishing: is that anyone can do exactly as you said. I mean, you can finish writing a short story, a novel, a collection of stories today, and you know, it, within. 15 minutes an hour a couple hours it can be up online ready for people to to buy but Mm -hmm. then the issue of course becomes that you know the one person who starts to read it knowing that it's independently published and maybe starts to say oh well this is you know obviously a, a very amateurish work and now all of a sudden all indie authors are somehow tarred with that brush of well it's you know it's it's not a professional edit it's not a professional piece like it would find from a traditional publishing house so so you're right i mean it's it's a difficult type of balance because you know this is kind of a new enough forum uh this indie publishing phenomenon that people still don't know necessarily what to make of it and the more of these kind of hastily crafted and, and very quickly published novels and, and books are out there, maybe the the worse it is for those of us who, who do try to try to kind of craft it and, and make it into something that will really stand up to, to scrutiny. So so yeah, I think you're absolutely right.
0: Well and that's one of the reasons that I'm doing this series of podcasts and the interviews with um, authors that are in all stages you know some authors i'm talking to are already very successful some are in the middle some are just getting started out and um the consistency the the thing that is coming through consistently is that um there is a lot of junk on the kitchen you know i've gone on the free days and i've gone on the not free days and i've looked inside you know we have that ability now at amazon which is wonderful to look inside the book. I mean, you can't look as much as you can in a bookstore where you can flip through all the pages and and randomly find a a page to read. Um, However, they are building that into some of the books where you can just say, you know, just give me a random page. Mm -hmm. But um, they have look inside the book so you can at least read the first part of a book. And if that first part of the book doesn't catch your interest or you see errors... Or mm. you see inconsistencies, you're off the page and gone. Yeah,
1: exactly. And,
0: and you can return a Kindle book, which I have done. Um, really? Yeah. I have actually, you know, even, even free books because I didn't uh, want them. I didn't want people thinking that I, I didn't want Amazon thinking that I downloaded this book and it was wonderful when I downloaded it and it was not so much. Sure. And um, I returned it, even though it was free, just to kind of, you know, send a message that that's not, um, that there's something up with this. And uh, also, you know, if I bought a book and I looked through it and, you know, there weren't inconsistencies in the beginning, but somewhere in the middle it lost me, you know, Mm. I returned those as well. You've got 30 days. So, you know, you as the author need to understand that you, you don't want to um, put crap out there because not only is it bad for you, it's bad for the industry.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think you're you're absolutely right to do that. So I was kind of talking a little bit about the, the traditional publishing route where you have the literary agents and the, the traditional publishers as gatekeepers. But now that there is so much more ability to bypass those, those kind of middlemen and, and, you know, get your book or or whatever is published right out there to the public, it really behooves us all, whether we're authors or casual readers or professional readers and reviewers, to to kind of serve that gatekeeping function. Because if it's if there's no kind of means of quality control out in the market, then it's it's hard to kind of sort the wheat from the chaff. So mm-hmm. so I think you're absolutely right to do that. And I think more readers and, and more reviewers probably should kind of take that very kind of harsh and skeptical look at books, even if they are free, because free doesn't necessarily um, mean high quality, of course. So it's, right. uh, yeah, it's, uh, again, it's, it's difficult to know because this industry is just kind of sorting itself out now. But, um, but it'll be interesting, it's a really interesting time, I think, to be a writer and uh, a publisher, an indie publisher, an indie author. And uh, yeah, we'll kind of see what the next few years bring.
0: I like the fact that you already have a collection of short stories and poems, even though you haven't um, published those. Because I think that the Kindle and the e-reader and our um, where our society is right now is that they like little short glimpses. Mm-hmm. So I think that a book of short stories would be something that would be very successful because, you know, we're sitting in the doctor's office. We're sitting in the right. you know car waiting for our kids to come out of soccer practice or... You know, we have all these times when we're just sitting, and we have a slice of time, and we don't have time to get into a whole big novel. But right. would be very satisfying to be able to read, you know, a short story in that time period, right. or Absolutely. two or three. Yeah. So, yep. I think uh, delivering things in smaller pieces to the public is one of the things that I've been encouraging people to um, to deliver.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I think it's it's great advice. You're right. Just those small pieces of time where we don't necessarily have the you know, the cycles to get through war and peace. But you know, right. if there's a you know there's a, a short story by Chekhov that we could get through fairly easily, then you know, yeah, I think it's it's kind of filling in those little gaps in time with small pieces of literature. And there's definitely an appetite for that. I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kids too, you know. I mean, they're sitting on the bus going to school. They're not talking to each other and throwing things around the bus anymore. They're all sitting there looking at their iPads <laughs> or their telephones or whatever, and yep, you exactly. know, reading. You know, kids. Kids are consuming everything electronically now, and they can mm. read books on their phones. Sure. Uh, um, what was actually quite funny? Um, I had a, a friend of mine uh, relay a story that um, he. His kids had gone to bed a while ago, and he went upstairs and and noticed a little light underneath his son's bedroom door. So he went in, and his son was, you know, in bed with his iPad, and he was, Mm. you know, his dad said, what are you doing? He goes, well, I was researching um, about the United States Constitution. And his father is like, you are not. (laughs) He goes, no, really, Dad, I am. And he's, give me your iPad. And, you know, go to sleep. He closes the door and he goes downstairs and he goes through the kid's history and damned if he wasn't researching the US Is Constitution. Right? Wow. And it was like a twelve year old and he's like, I no, my kid did that. I thought he only played games on those things.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> even
0: the young people that we think are taking our electronics for granted, they're actually using you know, they're actually using them for the same things that we used, you know, regular books for as a kid, you know? Sure. Yeah. I, I was one of those flashlight under the covers readers. You know, yeah, definitely that go to bed and you read when you're supposed to be sleeping.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now, and it, yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that. Yeah, I think that's the great thing again about some of the new technologies that are coming out, whether it's the Kindle or the iPad or you know a lot of these e-readers that you know it, it's giving younger readers especially, a, a, the opportunity to kind of consume books in a different manner than maybe they would have before or, or would not have before. So so I think this is, this is a great opportunity, you know, not only for us as authors but also kind of as more broadly speaking, as a society to kind of engage kids in in great literature and, uh, you know, in popular literature. And, and that's another reason why I think that it behooves us as readers and, and authors and reviewers to kind of make sure that there's enough good quality content out there, whether it's free or paid, because the last thing you want to do is, is sour a new reader on the experience of, of what could potentially be great literature so it's you know when you kind of think about all these things it's a it's a bit daunting to think of you know what might really be at stake i mean you want to engage your readers you want to make sure that they come back and that they're really kind of that these stories are resonating with them and uh you know i I think that to the extent that we do that we all benefit much more both as readers as authors and and more broadly speaking as society i know it sounds very kind of Highfalutin and idealistic, but uh, but that's always the way that I've I've kind of approached the writing craft, knowing that you know it's it's not just about the book itself, but it's about creating that type of conversation that hopefully uh, a lot of people will want to engage in.
0: I couldn't have said that better. That's that's like excellent because that's that's just the way it is. Is you're creating a you're not just putting something out there to make money. You're putting something out there to make a difference. When the person exactly. finishes your book. They know something that they didn't know. They feel something that they didn't feel. They understand something that they didn't understand. Yeah, um, absolutely. It yep. expands their horizon. Um, now, okay, so now let's shift from what we had to do to get published. Now we're published, mm-hmm. and as we all know, traditional publishers not doing so much of their own marketing anymore. What right. are some things you would recommend? for our listeners to do from the marketing end and what are some things that you're doing?
1: Sure. Well, I, I can say that uh, you, you've spoken to quite a few authors already, I'm sure, and I'll, I'm sure I'll, I'll kind of um, end up parodying a lot of their advice, but you know, I, I think more... Often that you hear some of these things, maybe the the more it sinks in the value of these types of tools. But um, yeah. the first the first thing I would say is just you know the the wealth of kind of these social uh, and online social networking tools that are available to us as authors is it's really a, a huge opportunity, and I think that I try I definitely try to make use of it as an author. So I have a Twitter account um, where I follow um, interesting authors. I, I tweet about you know, whether it's free book giveaways or um, blog postings um, that I've written, try to kind of engage readers with the type of literature that I'm consuming and also the type of work that I've put out there as an author. Um, so I have the Twitter feed that I maintain um, fairly religiously. Uh, I have a Facebook fan page that, uh, that I'm kind of building up at this point. Um, I have a writing-related blog on WordPress that, um, that I post to fairly often and um, I have an account at um, Goodreads okay. so trying to kind of link all these different things together and, and having another avenue to, to follow readers and, and see what they're reading and, and try to get them engaged and interested in my work so so a lot of what I do as an author from a marketing perspective is is kind of through these um, these online tools whether it's Twitter or Facebook um, um, blog postings etc and uh, and and you know to see uh, the number of authors using these same tools it's you know it's it's obviously um, a, a fairly broad phenomenon at this point but I think it's it's so valuable and it, it's something that as an author you can do very easily at minimal expense and um, it, it's just something that um, I can't imagine not doing as an indie author especially since I don't have that big promotional push and, and marketing budget of a traditional publisher behind me the way that you uh, that I would otherwise.
0: Now, do you have you mentioned a lot of the social sites, do you and you mentioned a blog on WordPress. Do <laughs> you have your own website or a a website for the book where you're pushing some of that too?
1: Um, I don't at this point. I think that probably what I'll end up doing uh so what I've done on the blog is I've posted sample chapters, for example. I've kind of cross-linked a lot of the promotions. So if I have um, a free giveaway day on my Amazon account. Then I'll I'll blog about it and uh, I'll kind of list it in my Twitter feed as well. But I don't have um, a, a separate author website yet at this point, um, where I, where I'm kind of developing uh, things around the book itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think eventually I will get to that point. It's uh, you know the last month or so since uh, since the book has been published has been a real learning, um, experience for me. Just, you know, I, I was familiar of course with Facebook and Twitter and, and some of these other tools, but just to use it, not just as, as kind of a, somehow a disinterested user, but as an author promoting his books was uh, kind of a, a, bit of a different mindset to switch into. So mm-hmm. I think that now that I've become a bit more familiar with how to use these tools um, from a promotional perspective, now I'll, I'll also look at things like developing my own website and kind of feeding content from the book in there and uh, and uh, you know trying to leverage some of these tools um, uh, from, from more of a marketing perspective.
0: That's a great idea. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Goodreads because a lot of people are using mm-hmm. it, and I haven't asked too many people yet. How are you actually using Goodreads and do you think it's bringing you um, sales?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I can't speak too much to to the sales aspect just because uh, it, it's only fairly recently that I've uh, set up uh, my Goodreads account but what I can say that it has been very useful so far um, for me uh, to this point is in engaging uh, especially bloggers who might be interested in uh, in the book in the consistency of parchment so so what I've done um, through my Goodreads account is, Um, Posted an event where I've given a a quick blurb about myself, about the book. I've uh, included links to my Twitter account, to my uh, Amazon page, uh, um, to all the different kind of social networking tools. And tried to so what i'm doing now is trying to arrange a, a blog tour for, for the book and uh, i've created an event where i'm inviting bloggers who are interested in hosting me whether it's as the guest post um having some kind of cover reveal for example um uh doing a review of the book um asking whoever would be interested to contact me and 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 Try to help me um, get engaged with uh, the blog tour itself. So there's been some good response on that so far, I have to say. So, so on Goodreads, what I found has been useful is, again, really engaging people who are interested in reading, who are interested in supporting independent authors, who have. Um, blog sites of their own and are looking for content and, you know, are interested in, in helping to support um, a new and aspiring author. So, so I think from my perspective, at least at this early stage, that's where Goodreads has been very useful for me, just as another kind of networking tool to, to try to kind of gain engagement and promotion for the book itself.
0: All right. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Cause I haven't, like I said, I haven't used, I don't know if I said it or not. I haven't used Goodreads that much. I've used it for a couple of giveaways, Uh and um, I seem to get a little lift and probably a few sales from it, but I don't know. Um, I only recently set up my blog. I actually have book goodies, uh, all these uh, podcasts now feeding into my uh, Goodreads account, so hopefully people will find, you know, on the Goodreads blog, uh, they'll find their way back to the book Goodies blog.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's—I mean—that's—it's funny now because you can spend so much time. And I certainly have probably spent too much time, kind of trying to to learn how all these tools work and and you know how you can kind of set up your, whether it's your Twitter feed or your blog account to link back to Goodreads and and vice versa, and you know it it, it can kind of tie your head in knots a little bit, trying to figure out, you know, is it best to maintain just the, the kind of short bursts on Twitter? Is it best to kind of have the content on Facebook? Do you want to have the Goodreads account that kind of manages all of these different things? So, I, I mean, I think that every author is kind of experimenting a little and, and trying to see what works best. But, you know, that's that's part of the fun, too, just kind of the, the trial and error aspect of it, seeing what, what really tends to, as you said, create the a bit of a jump in sales and what you know, if you try it, it, doesn't really seem to have much of an effect. So it's you know, it's it's an interesting process to go through as an author because then you su- you switch from the creative side to the the really kind of cold analytical side again as the, the marketer and the promoter and and you know trying to measure your metrics and 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 look at you know how how many click-throughs am i getting here how much engagement am i getting so it's um yeah it's it's a different world from uh from the world of writing but uh but it's you know it's, it's something that you have to do as an indie author of course
0: yeah i um i had a really good month in april because i had done a lot of promotion in march and mm. then um in may and june I was busy with a lot of traveling and I didn't do hardly any book promotion of my own
1: mm. and
0: my sales showed it. <laughs>
1: really? Yeah. There's
0: still sales, but there's not the level of sales that I was getting uh, when I worked really hard on pushing out to bloggers and you know, trying to get the, the word out to, to different people. So, sure, um, yeah. And do you have any marketing plan or are, are, are you like the rest of us where you're just like, throwing things out there and seeing what works the best.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd say that uh, I didn't start with, with any kind of finely calibrated plan. It was more just, okay, well, I see that some of the authors that seem to be selling well are doing this so let me try to mimic them a little bit and, and see if I can get uh, a similar level of engagement doing this oh okay this seems to work well maybe I'll try this as well so it was uh, I have to admit a, a little bit scattershot at the beginning but now that I've become a bit more conversant and, uh, and a bit more familiar with some of the tools um, I, I still wouldn't I definitely wouldn't say that I have anything uh, approaching a very sophisticated um, integrated marketing plan, but um, but I, I think I have figured out some things that do tend to work a little bit better than others. So I'm I'm trying to focus what fairly limited time I have to, to try to uh, really drive those uh, those specific tools.
0: Do you have your book both? I'm sorry if, if you said this earlier, I may have missed no, it's it. Okay. Do, is your book both on Kindle and on CreateSpace or other print on demand, or is it only available in one version or the other?
1: Uh, no, at this point it's uh, it's solely available on Kindle. Um, okay. And that's, again, that was kind of a, a conscious choice that I made at this point just to, you know, I, I really wanted to kind of see what type of engagement, what type of sales I would get just through, through Kindle itself. And, you know, if, if it comes, you know, if, if the day comes where I feel it's, it's not really, you know, gaining the, the level of attention that maybe I, I think it could otherwise, then I'll, I'll probably look to, uh, to other sites, other tools, uh, other ways to publish. But, um, but at this point it's, it's really just, um, through Kindle itself that it's available. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's
0: really awesome. Um, do you have any parting thoughts that you would share with, uh, the, our listeners?
1: Um, well, I guess just to to kind of reiterate what uh, what we've been talking about. I mean, if, uh, if for the indie authors out there, I mean, it can seem a little bit uh, daunting at first, and I certainly felt this way um, when you first publish your book and you kind of try to figure out how you're going to cut through this this thicket of information and, and try to get your work noticed, but. it's like anything else if you just kind of keep at it and you you go about it honestly and you kind of try to engage honestly with with other writers and readers then you know i think that you can't help but uh but achieve a certain level of success so uh so yeah i mean for the writers out there i would just encourage them to you know to continue promoting their books and continue of course writing good books and for the readers out there i would well first of all i would that they take a look at my book specifically but um (laughs) but also uh you know support independent authors uh as well and and where you see well published and well crafted and well written um, independent fiction you know i think it's important not only to support it through sales but also to try to get the word out you know review on amazon um link through goodreads uh, tweet about uh, your favorite authors your independent authors and and just again try to kind of drive um more success for independent authors because I think that you know th- there's a lot of great independently published work out there that maybe doesn't get um, quite as much uh, attention as, as maybe it could or should. So uh, so hopefully um, readers will uh, include the consistency of parchment in, uh, in that uh, category, but, uh, but more broadly speaking, I would hope that they would uh, support independent authors and you know take a look at, uh, at what's being published out there because there's a lot of really, really great stuff out there.
0: That's, that's perfect, um, and I can't agree with you more on, on every point. So, um, so James, tell us where people can find you on uh, Twitter and Facebook and WordPress.com.
1: Uh, yeah, on uh, Twitter. Uh, my Twitter account is James Tenadero, so J-A-M-E-S-T-E-N-E-D-E-R-O. Um, on let's see on uh, WordPress uh, you can find my uh, blog it's called The Life Examined um, so it's wordpress.com I guess if you do a search for James Tenedero, uh, it should come up but um but yeah, it's basically uh, your postings, ruminations on writing, on the writer's life, um, on the PhD student's life, on, on how you kind of keep all these things um, in play and balanced, and or sometimes fail to. So <laughs> the juggling hopefully- act. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So hopefully, um, again, both readers and writers will find uh, something that resonates for them on the blog. Um, uh, on Facebook, you can search for, uh, for James Tenadero. I think the, uh, the actual Facebook page is Tenadero James uh, on Facebook. Okay. Um, and then on Amazon, uh, you can find, uh, if you do a search for the consistency of parchment or for uh, the author James Tenadero, you should find my uh, author page and you should be able to click through to, um, to a purchase for uh, the book itself. So, um, again, I would hope that um, some of the readers who are interested in whether it's literary fiction or, or kind of more fast-paced uh, adventure-type fictional work will, uh, will take a chance on uh, the consistency of Parchment.
0: Awesome. Um, and the reason I asked for all those is because a lot of people hear us on iTunes and on other podcatchers, and they don't necessarily, they didn't necessarily find us through the Book Goodies site. Right. So I like to be able to, you know, have you tell them where to find you. And then, um, of course, listeners, we would invite you to come over to bookgoodies.com, B O O K G O O D I E S.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitter.com slash book goodies, and Facebook.com slash book goodies. Um, we would love for you to come over and comment on the podcast. You can also use our contact form to offer to be a guest, and you, if you're an author, you can um, submit your book information um, and your Kindle-free days if you happen to be using KDP Select. So we have a lot of options for authors to get exposure because we totally want to support um, all authors, but especially give the indie authors a voice. Um, Again, we'd like to thank geekcast.fm for hosting our podcast and for hosting other podcasts about internet marketing and affiliate marketing and all kinds of other marketing, um, online uh, marketing. And you can find me at twitter.com slash L-O-X-L-Y, twitter.com slash Loxley, like in Robin Hood, Robin of Loxley. And you can find me at DeborahCarney.com. So I want to thank everybody for listening. James, thank you again for taking time out of your day.
1: Thank you very much, and thanks very much for this service. This is a, this is a great service, again, for readers and uh, writers alike. So, uh, so thanks very much for the opportunity.
0: Thank you. And um, as always, I want to tell you guys to have a great day and keep on writing. And thanks for listening.